Good morning. It is six minutes after eight o'clock on AM 550 FM 99.9 WSAU and online at WSAU.com as well. Great Art Regis weekend here in Wausau. And we actually even have Merle Kelch live in studio. Here we are. Today. Ta-da. Who knew? Yeah, exactly. That, that this still happens. It does. I'm, I'm impressed myself. Yeah, uh, when we were just uh, doing uh, talking about schedules and things for the rest of the year as well, it's going to be crazy. But hey, we'll enjoy the time in studio together while we get it. Uh, we'll make we'll make it work. Indeed, as always. Uh, of course, as always, our uh, banter back and forth is filler for your phone calls at seven one five eight four five two one five five. If you've got a question for Merle, go ahead and give us a call up. We'd uh, be happy to connect with you. But uh, first off, uh, Merle, the uh, markets this week uh, things kind of hit a snag at least on Friday. Things ending on a downward note uh what was it just uh just uh, let's go back and run back the tape what was it that uh made the markets go down give us every little detail right now i'm gonna sound like the brady's you know there's always marsha 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 and as of right now it's china 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 <laughs> so you know in here is an article by emily berry and so inside of this article i'm going to pull some excerpts out of it but it's an interesting little article so uh, the, the, the caption of the article is Apple's worst case scenario in China isn't so bad, says Morgan Stanley. So they go inside of the article and they chat about it. And it's kind of the microchasm, what people believe. So, um, I actually made a note of this this morning. Um, I wrote down and said, there's a, just a, an amount of knee jerking going on. It's just amazing me this mm-hmm. past, past couple of weeks. So people are making knee jerk reactions about what's going on inside the marketplace. And this week it was Apple in China. So, you know, there's, there's always a, a scenario when you have a company that has so much stuff either manufactured or sold to one place that it becomes a problem. Well, um, and Apple may or may not be in that with China. You know, China uh, builds most of Apple's stuff. Um, uh, they sell a good deal of product in Apple, though. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Apple sends, sells a lot of their product inside of China, though if China does not um, buy anything from uh, from Apple again, um, it's it's not going to really hurt them. They're going to be okay. They're so large and diversified. But in here, it goes inside of the article and says that what's going on um, probably really isn't all that much different than has been around for a while. And at the same time, though we're seeing a lot of posturing from China at the moment, China really started this in 2020 uh, with all the uh, Yahweh, and I hope that I'm saying that right. So America, of course, said, we're, you know, Yahweh is not coming inside the U.S., um, China said, okay, you're not going to use some of the Apple products. And this is really kind of an extension with that. It really doesn't do much different. So in here, the conversation goes within this article is that Yahweh might still might not still be able to handle the load taking away the um, iPhones because they don't have the technology for one and they can't get the supply of product um, as they might have. So these very well might end up using iPhones anyway. But the other part of that is the, is the reminder on the inside said, you know what? Remember, Apple either directly or indirectly employs millions of people in China. And uh, China does not want Apple to stop manufacturing. So this might be nothing more than, uh, you know, blowing a little bit of smoke uh, to ruffle their feathers and show that they're still tough, um, uh, paraphrasing what this article might be. And so as a result of that, the market was essentially going, oh, no, China doesn't want Apple in there anymore. And, and you look at the numbers, and it's like, no, no that's, that's not really what's happening. But And you have uh, Apple coming down. And of course, um, all of its friends were guilt by association. They all came down, drove the markets up and down, and made a bunch of crazy insanity throughout the course of the week. Yeah, and, and that despite the fact that uh, Google 
kind of snuck in yesterday by announcing, uh, giving a soft announcement, I guess you could say, for its Pixel 8 uh, mm-hmm. phone. Obviously, uh, a, comp- a direct competitor to Apple in several ways, especially in the uh, the phone and technology, wearable technology category, as Merle checks his, uh, is that a, is that a, a Samsung Galaxy Watch? Um, no, it's not. <laughs> oh, okay. But the wearable technology, you know, they're, they're direct competitors there, but, but Google basically soft launching the Pixel 8 yesterday. Uh, it not, Their official announcement, I believe, is coming up next week, and, and the phones will be able or be available for pre-order. But uh, I'm always fascinated with uh, just how much of a stir these events can cause whether it is Apple launching the next generation iPhone or Samsung with the yeah, Galaxy yeah. Uh, line of products, and then Google now with Pixel and the other ones, uh, you know, kind of sprinkled in there. Motorola and BlackBerry still somewhat players in that sure. market. But I, it, when when you see those events happen, I mean, as you're watching the 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 markets, can you actually tell when those events are happening because of the way the, those markets and those sectors are fluctuating? There, there's a little bit of a lag, but you actually can. And one of the biggest ones, of course, is Apple. I mean, mm-hmm. Apple. I mean, Steve Jobs, what a smart guy. Not only did he, you know, bring on Apple and the technology comes out, but he's the one who started doing the launches and really started making it, you know, tremendous um, in making it an event for the launch of the new products. And now it comes out every year. I think, matter of fact, uh, doesn't Apple or uh, iPhone 15 comes out, I think, next week, isn't it? Uh, I'm not an Apple guy, yeah. so you're, well, you're asking change. the wrong guy. I'm change. a Samsung, but yeah. yeah. It'll change. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, you know, they, they bring the product launches out. So what happens afterwards is always the next question. So, okay, so they announce it. Is it going to be worthwhile and make people excited of whatever product or service they want to have? You know, um, I've been in, uh, I've had all the phones. I've not had the, the Android versions, but um, but I've had a lot of iPhones. And uh, so far, I still have the iPhone 11. For me, nothing new has really changed on any of the ones coming up versus the 11. So we're probably going to do the 15 simply because my uh, wife's phone looks like it got ran over. <laughs> and we got to replace hers. We might just replace them both at the same time at that point. But um, So the technology hasn't jumped out to me to say, well, we really need anything different other than um, you know new chips faster, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the way it is for a lot of people. I'm I'm exactly the same way. Uh, the only reason I'm even remotely thinking about replacing one of my uh, Samsung products is because the battery is starting to deplete. the The battery conditioning is starting to depreciate. It's not what it was back in, a couple of years ago when I got yeah. it. But but it, you just kind of hit on where that that market is. There are so many people that are willing to just anticipate this wait in line for it for days mm-hmm. that it blows my mind that that can actually have an impact uh, I, on the markets it's interesting is I, I had the same feeling when it came back to computers and again folks we're just bantering back and forth until <laughs> your calls come in um but you know i had the opinion of of computers and i'm sitting here with my really really old ipad that still works of course i have to charge it you know the day before because it dies over the week now mm-hmm. um but you know the technology it, it comes to a point where you know, version now and then version next year really aren't that much different. That is it going to really change how you're going to use it. <clears throat> and so when that happens, I tend to find that the companies tend to reach what's called a mature plateau in its expansion because they haven't done anything that's new that everybody wants. So for those of you that think that we're not a supply drive driven uh, society, um, here's the proof that that's actually incorrect. 
because when somebody creates a product that everybody wants, that's not when you have a supply side issue because now the company has to ramp up the supply. They now have you know, price pressure that they can increase the price when they want to because we all want that new product. Come up with a product that stinks once. And people go, eh, doesn't matter. Well, the supply side doesn't matter now because you just created something that nobody really cares about. So, um, uh, you know, it, it goes the way of, uh, you know, Kodak uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, film. You know, same principle. Something else is evol- uh, evolution over top of it. So now we got to get something that's, you know, new, exciting, and, and faster and better and prettier and all that kind of stuff. It, it, it all comes back to uh, the craft beer philosophy. You're going to sell out of your first shipment of it no matter what because people are going to be trying it. Mm-hmm. It's a matter of will they buy it a second time and a third time because if it's good, then you've got something. If it's not good, somebody's not going to come back and uh, yeah. and buy that product off the shelf again. Mm-hmm. 715-845-2155 is the number to call. As Merle mentioned, of course, our banter back and forth is just the filler for your phone calls. If you've got a question for Merle, we would uh, be happy to connect you uh, next here on WSAU. We'll be back with more Making Financial Sense. WSAU.com as well. As always, the phone lines are open here on Making Financial Sense. If you'd like to speak with Merle Kelch, give us a call at 715-845-2155 as our banter is uh, just filler for, for your phone calls here on the program. I'm WSAU News Director Mike Leishner. He is Merle Kelch live in studio today. Uh, Merle, you're just telling me uh, what we're what we're you're pulling up here for this segment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the internet some days is a great idea. It's a fantastic idea. <laughs> I thoroughly appreciate being able to buy clothing without leaving the comfort sure. of my own home. I thoroughly appreciate being able to stream sporting events from the world that I want to watch right there from the comfort of my couch. Mm -hmm. But some days the internet was not a good idea. Boy, there's, I could even find a whole bunch more, but excuse me. There's a frog in the throat. You know, I've been in this business for 30 some years. Um, In fact, if I go through the math, I think it's actually been 33 years now I've been in this business. Um, Oh geez. 34, 89. Jesus. I'm getting old. So everything tends to come back around once again. And, and mm-hmm. this is one I actually look at. And I read the article. And not only did it actually, you know, get my fervor up and get me fired up this morning reading the article. And, and the biggest thing you want to look at and going, how can people be so dumb? Pardon my directness, but it's just so true. And so here's the title of the article, folks. And the title is, why does TikTok hate the 401k so much? And I looked at this. Scratched my head, and I was just going to browse over it, browse over it, looking for something that actually has something meaningful. Mm-hmm. Well, it's an article by Beth Pinsker, and she's actually written a couple of things that are kind of interesting. I read them this morning. So there is, folks, um, a huge thing. And so they say on TikTok to go to social media site for Gen Z. They're there. And so there's a whole thread of people um, going out there and saying, you know, don't put money inside of your 401k. You know, for multiples of reasons of which they cite inside of here, everywhere from it's only for the rich people, it's not for you, have immediate gratification, don't wait a long time for your 401k, all the sort of stuff that's out there. And largely, um, the influencers on the site are saying the 401k is a scam. What? And so I continue to keep reading on. And here, as it turns out, um, there was a whole camp when I was young in this business 30-some years ago, folks, that said you should buy term and invest the difference. So you buy term life insurance policies versus 
whole life or other types of permanent insurances and you invest the difference because that's a better way to go. Well, the unfortunate part in time back in that point in time is the insurance agents would sell you the life insurance, but they didn't have any licensing to sell you the rest of the stuff. And it just turned out to be a mess and people got steps behind in retirement. So in here, they're saying much of the same stuff. Essentially, you don't put money inside of your 401k and you go out and you buy, <clears throat> excuse me, insurance policies, whether it's a variable life insurance policy um, or index universal life or some kind of a cash value life insurance policy. You build that up because you can get the same rates of returns of the S&P 500 inside of a life insurance policy. And my first thought of is what kind of a jack wagon doesn't realize this is an insurance sales pitch, by the way. Insurance policies are not supposed to be sold as investments because they're not. Mm -hmm. Insurance policies are for insurance purposes. Mm -hmm. Now, you can use them to your advantage sometimes, but it's a whole different animal than what they're talking about inside of this program or inside of this article. So then it goes into what's wrong with the 401k. Well, what happens if you want to retire earlier? You can't take the money out. The answer is yes, you can. Um, you know, it goes to all these different things to say, well, things keep changing in the 401k. Yeah, they usually... Mm -hmm. let you to put more money in. They have expenses. Yeah, that was addressed, you know, five years ago. And so it just goes to this article. And I just thought to myself, um, can a, a, a club actually come out of the uh, the computer and just whack somebody in the head? Because <laughs> apparently they just need an attitude adjustment somewhere. I can't believe this is going through. So all of you that are listening, I'm guessing not a lot of Gen Zers. Mm -hmm. If you have a Gen Zer, mom or dad or grandpa or grandma that you're listening, go grab them by the throat. Or whatever. Say, listen, you got to put money in the 401k. You got to do this. It only makes sense to do so. <sighs> so then it goes through and says, if you want to make sure you solve this, make sure you seek somebody who's a, a, a fiduciary. Mm -hmm. And, of course, we've had that conversation with Alan on here. Nobody can define what really what a fiduciary is. But seek somebody who's been in the business while. Seek mm -hmm. somebody who has securities and insurance licenses both. And they all have to adopt a thing that's called the best interest rule. So whatever happens has to go as a best interest to the client, whatever the investment might be. If it's a person who's an insurance agent only, eh, maybe not do that because they don't have somebody watching over them to make sure that what they're doing is in the best interest of the client. But, boy, what an article. It was just yeah. enormously frustrating for me this morning. I could feel like the, the anger just building up wanting to grab somebody. Yeah, and that's one of the points that we keep coming back to on this show here. You, you can read things like that on the Internet just because it's on the Internet doesn't mean that it's absolutely true. I think that's been established more uh, several times over the last few decades. Uh, so if you're, you're seeing something like this, maybe question it. Go to somebody and say, mm -hmm. can you make this make sense yeah. for me? And, and that can start a conversation that I would say would be – well more well more uh several times more useful sure. than the information in an article like that and the interesting part of the, what's going on inside of the article is it's usually people who are getting paid to be influencers so it may not be people who actually know what they're talking about they're just being paid to influence and probably a particular getting paid by a particular product or service and so inside of the article they talked about a, a mr klontz and i don't have his first name sitting in front of me uh, but he's a financial psychologist I didn't know that existed. Okay. Okay. So he talks about how it is that you go through and um, they try to influence you with what they're doing and making it seem like they know what they're talking about and they really don't. So, but boy, just watch out for the TikTok craze and your kids or grandkids and please help steer them in the right direction. <laughs> oh, it, yes. Lord. 
Yes, indeed. Because, <laughs> again, you're bringing up a, a couple of different things there financially. Uh, obviously, saying that a life insurance policy could be treated the same as an investment. Uh, not necessarily true. Yes, you can access some of that money. There will be fees attached to it. There will be ways okay. that once you have to use it. So for things like that, don't rely on, you know, an TikTok. internet don't. article or a TikTok. Yeah. You'll want to go to a, somebody who speaks insurance and somebody who can look at your, uh, you know, if you have a life insurance statement, look at it, decode it, say, this is what this means. This is what that means. And here's what you can do with it. You know, they might be able to give you some great advice about something like that. Then on the other side, the financial strategy, again, somebody like Merle Kelch will let you know just exactly what everything means in that 401k. Peel yeah. back the curtain a bit. I once sent Merle a picture of a, a document I received regarding my 401k, and boom, he decoded it through text message. Um, That didn't officially happen. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, we did, but it was fine. Yeah. You know, yeah. what's... Interesting in this 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 world of the investment is that um, you know, it, there's not one thing that's right for everybody. You know, our life insurances, our life insurance policies, good. Yes, are they bad? Yes. It all depends upon what you want to do. Is an annuity good? Yes. Is an annuity bad? Yes. But it depends upon what you want to need it for or what you're going to use it for. You can go right down the list. Are stocks good or stocks bad? The answer is yes. What are you going to do with it? And the same thing with mutual funds. You can go right down the list. But it all depends upon the direction you want to go with your investments, your financial services. You know, we we're having this conversation um, with some colleagues talking about AI. So artificial intelligence and is doing some tremendous stuff in the medical field. And I, I really like to see what's happening. And somebody said, well, is AI going to take over the financial services industry? Well, Artificial intelligence has been in our industry for a long time, and there's a lot of big uh, trades that are being done with, you know, what's called spreads and straddles and, and options uh, that artificial intelligence and computer trading has been doing on an ongoing basis, as well as regular trading. It's happening on an ongoing basis. Um, in fact, if you ever see the stock market doing 1,000-point swings in a day, if you look in the bottom, like on television or something of that nature, it'll say curbs in, and basically what they've done is shut the computers off. So that only the trading computers, not trading programs, kick in. So they shut all that off because otherwise it creates even more volatility. But as far as having artificial intelligence doing what I do for a living, um, I think the answer is um, probably not because there's too many variables. Mm -hmm. There's too many human variables for a computer to be able to solve. You know, for example, the uh, computer is not going to be able to project um, that you said in three months. I want to. Uh, you know, my I think my roof's going to go out, and I need to have that done. And if the roof goes out or the furnace breaks. You have to say, oh, geez, I got to take some money out now. Uh, my furnace just broke. Uh, computer can't predict that, mm -hmm. you know, unless it has some sort of an assessment of everything going on inside of your house. And who knows, with the Internet of everything, they're probably talking. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. So, so it's interesting in here, but it all depends upon what a person wants to do inside of your portfolio. There's not a good or a bad investment. It's just, is there a good or bad investment with the attributes that you need? When you have Fisher Investments saying annuities are terrible, well, He's wrong. Um, what they're doing, I could say, is terrible. And in some instances, I'm right. And in some instances, I'm wrong. It all depends on what an individual wants to do inside of their portfolio. And that's the difficult part of the financial services industry. If a person's trying to do it themselves, you're trying to figure out, oh, what's good or bad. And then you get jack ways like this TikTok <laughs> stuff that's going on. Uh, and that's just the best term I can have. On radio is exactly. Jack Wagon. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I, I, that's that's what I would go with <laughs> in my uh, in my radio experience and expertise. That's yeah. that's certainly the one I would go with. Yeah. 
Thanks. 715-845-2155 is the number to call if you want to uh, see get in on the conversation or if you have a question for Merle, we'd be happy to connect you. We'll get more, uh, come back with more making financial sense after this. But first, here's a look at your news headlines on WSAU. We are making financial sense with Merle Kelch joining us live in studio this week. Uh, don't forget, you can always listen to the show uh, after the effect uh, through the podcast section at WSAU.com. We've got uh, your source there for on-demand listening. And uh, we also have a, a direct link to Merle as well if you would like to uh, get some on-the-spot advice. And that is by calling us at 715-845-2155 as our chat is just always your uh, filler for your phone calls. And uh, Merle, uh, of course, they can also get a hold of you outside of the show as well. Mm-hmm. And we'll yeah. we'll get to that information later. So there's an article, again, uh, make no uh, bones about it. My favorite economist is Brian Westbury of Chicago. And he had an article in here that kind of um, uh, runs through this thing, the theme that I've said inside of this program for a long time, which is, you know, the day-to-day stuff that goes on inside of the marketplace, you can usually explain why the marketplace went up and down for the day. But generally, if you want to know where things are going to go, at least in the longer term, you have to have an, an understanding or a background of what's happening inside of the economy. Because wherever the economy goes, the stock market, with the exception of the dance of up and down, back and forth, is going to follow along, whether we're going up or down on the inside. And so in here, um, Brian Westbury had an article that kind of comes to that, which I found interesting to me is, He's talking about the amount of deficit we have as a percentage of our gross domestic product. So essentially the gross domestic product, folks, is the sales of everything inside of the country. And the amount of deficit that you have as a percentage of that tells you basically how much you're spending, obviously. And, you know, you know, if we go back to Reagan, he had, when he uh, had the uh, you know great tax drop and got everything fired back up, um, he increased it to some 5%, and people were like, oh, my God, that's terrible. That's awful. Well, you know, folks, um, we're at like five point, uh, 6.5% now. And when Reagan was doing it, he was doing it because we had a, over a 10% unemployment. We had an economy that was sputtering. We weren't going anyplace. We're just coming out of, you know, tremendous insurance and inflation problems at that point in time. So he's trying to get an economy fired back up and growing. Uh, we saw the same thing happen, you know, during a couple of other administrations. People say, this is horrible. Right now, we're the highest we've ever been. Um, and uh, just about uh, higher than what we were after World War II, and we're in a peacetime with unemployment not being an issue. Inflation, though it was high, is certainly coming back. He's looking at this going, you know, my Lord, this is just terrible. And I have to read this last part of it because I think it's just brilliant. And just keep this in mind um, that in the article he actually says, this isn't a Republican or a Democrat thing. This is just simply the direction we're going with government. And he simply says, I think, I'm sorry, we think that the unprecedented surge in the deficit this year is the key reason why a recession has yet to materialize. And so I've said all along, I think we're going to slow down because the interest rates have gone up. I hope not. But the interest go up, it's still going to have its place inside of here. And so he says a surge in a deficit this large can sometimes artificially maintain growth in the very short term, which may very well be what's happening. Uh, But given the higher interest rates and the governmental debt, this kind of support can't last Though the party continues for now, the hangover looms in our future. <laughs> and I think that might be the case. So watch your P's and Q's, folks. 715-845-2155 is the number to call. Good morning. You're making financial sense with Merle Kelch. Who are we talking to? Uh, good morning, Wink. Uh, this is uh, Rick. Morning, Rick. I'm a friend, 
he has two financial advisors. Uh-huh. And he done well. He's 68 years old. His wife is 67. And they're both retired. Medic, they're on Medicare. He has, like I said, two financial advisors. He has like $500,000 with one advisor and probably $600,000 with the other, you know, in IRAs, mutual funds. Mm-hmm. Well, the one financial advisor told him to take all those funds, convert them into Roth IRAs. And I told him, I don't think you should do that because it's going to have an effect on your Medicare and you're going to pay a lot of taxes. What's your opinion? Well, this- he says you would never have to, your friend would never have to pay any taxes again after he pays them yeah. in a Roth IRA, but he's up there in age. What so, say you? W- without, without knowing the whole situation, um, this is like one of those things we said before. You know, it can either be right or wrong. It depends upon your individual situation. So on that, Rick, let me take one step back. There, there's a there's a, a problem coming, and using the term looming because I just read it, um, there's a problem that's out there that's kind of unspoken, but I think it's going to be an issue coming up over the course of the next 10, 20, maybe even 30 years, and that is that um, us baby boomers are dying off. And we have all this money sitting inside of IRA accounts, Okay. You with me, Rick? Yep. So guess when we die, guess what happens to the taxes on that stuff? We got to pay the tax on it. And it's jumping up and, you know, it's proposed already that tax rates are going to go up. And so we look at this and saying, well, geez, the state keeps getting bigger. And between husband and wife doesn't matter. But upon the second of us to pass away, this money's got to go to the kids. And now all this tax is going to go up. Um, and we have to pay taxes and all that money. So there's a, a growing verb reverberation, vibe, whatever term we want to use, and saying, let's start getting some of this qualified money out of our current and getting into other areas such as Roth IRAs or spending some of it down on other things where we get to step up in basis between husband and wife to try to get us so that we're not having that big tax time bomb for our heirs later on, as well as there's some things that are going on within the um, estate planning community um, saying, can we do some life insurance contracts in a separate trust um, so that we can help pay for the taxes later on on all those qualified dollars? So there's a there's a big thing coming about that. Now, um, I can't go through and say, you do it like this, you do it like that, because that's beyond the scope. We have to be extemporaneous here. But you're asking that question, so I get to chat about that a little bit. So in here, perhaps that's one of the scenarios for your friend. I don't know that. But perhaps they're looking at saying with the amount of qualified dollars, meaning IRAs, 401ks, that type of stuff, um, maybe we should take some over time and put it into um, Roth IRAs or other types of means where we can have some tax benefits later on. So we have a case um, right now that we're actually going to start planning that on an annual basis. But our plan is to do it so that we know where the tax bracket's going to be and if we've got a spread between the lower tax bracket and the next tax bracket, we're going to use up that spread and do a systematic conversion every single year to try to do the exactly, as I said, take some of that money away from those qualified dollars. So perhaps that's what's happening um, with your friend. If they're just yeah, doing I, it because well, the advisor wants to take that money, much money out and do it one year and pay the taxes wow. and jump the taxes, I'd say that yeah. part's probably not right. So again, I think 
It depends advisor upon the situation. Of a shyster, he wants to take all that money from the other advisor, and he wants it all. He just wants to handle all of the funds. Yeah, that's that's always yeah. kind of the case that happens that way. Yeah, and I'm thinking about that Medicare part. You know, you get too high of a uh, your income, then you're going to be paying more for that Medicare, aren't the you? Higher premium, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't. That's a good idea. That I think I tell them just, just forget about the Roth. Yeah, the the best he's probably the better part is going to be for him to see an estate planning attorney and ask the question, say, should I do this? And they'll be able to start giving him some good direction. Yeah. Okay, I'll tell him. All right. Uh, good luck to your friend. And, Rick, thank you for yeah, calling. I appreciate it, Earl. Bye. Yep, right. thank you. And, and, of course, as luck would have it, next week we will have an estate yeah, planning attorney yeah. right here in studio. So, Rick, uh, if you have a question, ask Alan that same question next week because now you get it from the perspective of an estate planning attorney. Yeah, and and, and at an unbillable hour as well. Exactly. Yeah, it's a safe walk. Indeed. 715-845-2155 is the, is the number to call. But, uh, you know, Merle, we you brought up a couple of good points in there that we can maybe elaborate on uh, a bit here. The advice that we're given on this show, you know, we, we play that disclaimer three times throughout the show, and, and we don't know uh, completely what this, uh, mm-hmm. what this gentleman's situation is, you know, what Rick's friend's situation is right now, or even what your situation is. We can give you advice, or I should say you can give advice in generalities, but if you want the the real deep dive into that, obviously, uh, that's got to come at a different time. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's part of the the part of the show. Um, I mean, um, folks, the radio program that we do here is actually kind of a rarity. Um, in true story, uh, Finra and our regulators want to know what do you talk about on a radio show. I said, well, we don't know. And he said, well, how's that? I said, well, it's completely extemporaneous. So whatever pops up, if we see something in an article uh, that's popped up over the last couple of days, we pop up, we talk about, we get a live call. And he said, okay, we're good with that, but you got to give us an outline. So I literally went open, talk about articles, disclosure, close. They said, okay, perfect. And I started cracking up because I didn't have an answer. So in some of that, I can't come up and say, what the topic for the day is this. We can't do that. Then it has to be pre-scripted. It has to go out to uh, FINRA. It has to be approved through compliance. And Mm -hmm. so your calls, folks, make it so that we can chat about whatever popped up for the day. We can have a conversation about that article. 715-845-2155 is the number to call. Good after, or I should say good morning. You're on Making Financial Sense with Merle Kelch. Who are we talking to? My name is Joe. Morning, Joe. Morning, Merle. How are you doing? Good. I just wanted to say morning, Joe, for the first time. There we go. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a lot better than the one that's on television. There you go. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I just had two questions for you. Um, one, I'm a retired teacher, and it kind of is sticking in me that I, it, is it Wisconsin state law that teachers have to be offered 403Bs instead of 401Ks? Because from what I can find, that's not actual law. It's more by tradition. And the second one is my daughter's a school psychologist in Minneapolis, and she just started her retirement plans. Mm-hmm. And we started her Roth IRA when she was 16. Um, and I told her I think the best thing to do is to max that for the rest of her life because she started at a pretty good number. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would be probably more lucrative long term for her just to fully fund 
the Roth and, you know, get the compound interest over years and then have a nest egg that's hers. So right. I was wondering if you could address both of those. Well, yeah, but the, you know, it used to be that 403Bs, for example, were only for nonprofits. So whether you're a hospital or whether you're in education, um, that's all it was for was a 403B. 403B also used to have some cool rules that the 401Ks didn't. Um, and then 457 plan, which is the municipalities, usually your police stations, counties will have the 457 plans. Um, and so that was their deferred compensation. And 401K then was the deferred compensation. I'm sorry, not deferred compensation. I apologize. Um, salary deferral um, for corporate America. Um, through the Clinton administration, they kind of blended them so that they all essentially had a lot of the same rules. A little bit of differences, but all essentially the same rules. And, and so I, I, I really uh, hats off to the Clinton administration for that. And yes, I did say hats off to the Clinton administration, <laughs> but, um, but it was ready. And so it was, could have been merged even a little bit further, but they still have a little bit of differences. So now what's happened is that the 401k is now kind of melded into everything. So that you have the 401ks inside of the hospital plans. Um, you know, the 457 plans still are kind of out there and have that, but now you'll see 401, uh, 401ks inside of there. I think the better way would be to go is if I had my opinion would be to use the 401k because you just get uh, more choices. It makes it a lot easier later on. Um, but they both allow you to have that salary deferral. You have the money going into it. Um, 401ks are just by design easier to have uh, matching contributions into it. Um, so I would choose that if I had a choice between one versus the other. Well, she doesn't have a 401k option. Yeah. She has a 403b option. Okay. With and, the district not putting in ex, any extra money, so yeah. And since she started at a higher amount than most with the Roth, because it started when she was young, it just seems like that hitting a number, you know, that a person could easily live on, maxing the Roth seems easier. But yeah, typically, what what I'll recommend to people is to have a four hundred one k first if you have one with a matching contribution, because that's free money. So you want to put that in at least up to the matching contribution. Next, I would then max out the Roths, and then if you have anything more that you want to put away, still using the 401k or the 403b in this case, is still a pretty good way because you can put that money away tax deferred. Now, Joe, how old is your daughter? 24. 24. Well, let me share with you what I did. Uh, uh, my wife and I, we've got uh, twin daughters. Oh, well, actually, my stepdaughters, but twin daughters. And when they started as RNs, I told them that they had to maximize their 401k because those were the rules. One listened, one called me on the BS. But the one that listened ended up having a lot of money. So I would just tell your your daughter that you have to max a Roth and max her 403B. Don't say anything okay. more. Just let her do that. Okay. <laughs> that sounds like great advice. Yeah, just the tell other, her the rules. Question. Can school districts offer a 401K instead of a 403B? I, I believe so. But, um, again, it's, it's one of those things that, they get a little bit different rules, but I believe so. But I don't think they're still going to do any matching contribution. So, for example, hospitals only could do 403Bs, and now you'll see 401Ks happen within hospitals, even those that are considered nonprofit. So I believe a school district could do it, but I don't think so, and I can't tell you one, at least in our local area, that has one. Well, I just wonder, in the era of you know teachers leaving left and right, uh, sometimes as fast as they can, nowadays um that a way to attract better employees might be to offer something that's similar to the business world so they don't yeah. feel like they're a separate class sure uh, you know i 
So, so taking off my uh, hat to the uh, individual, putting on my hat to the school district, the school district will usually come out and say, well, you know, we'll let them go ahead and do the 403B because we're putting all this money in for their retirement into a pension plan. And the pension plan is so lucrative, it's much better than any contribution we would put inside of a 401K. And so that tends to be the mentality of districts. Okay, but I mean, when you when when I was putting into my four hundred three b, that was separate from my pension. Yeah, it wasn't. You know, I don't. I don't. I I know there are weird rules where you could actually put more into your pension, but nobody really knows how to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, usually a pension plan is at least set up with school districts are all defined contributions based upon uh, the district and where you and I can't put extra dollars in into the pension. The state of Wisconsin has some rules in there that if you miss two years, you could you could put that money back in and make up for those years that you didn't put the money in. Uh, okay. Um, but we couldn't put extra in because of the contribution was already defined. Uh, based so on legally, her. as far as you know, if, if a district wanted to say, we're going to offer 401ks and we're going to do minimal matching um, to attract better employees, that's, that's legal in the state of Wisconsin. I, I believe so, yeah. Okay. Well, so I think I, some districts what, maybe should do that. Yeah. So now <laughs> let me make sure I'm not an ERISA attorney, uh, but I believe so. And the only reason I'm using that as my basis, because we're seeing it happen inside of non-profitable hospital systems or non-profit hospital systems that have a 403B and a 401K within it. Um, and so I don't know that there's any reason that a school district wouldn't either. Um, and I think there's a few that are out there, but don't use my word as expert advice on that. Okay. Well, no, I finding it out is not the easiest thing in the world. Yeah. But, well, thanks so much for the advice, and I'll tell my kid, Max, both. Yeah, just tell her it's the rules. Yeah. She can retire when she's 40 then. That's okay, right. thanks very much, Merle. All right, Joe, thank you. Again, 715-845-2155 is the number to call. We'll have time for um, one, maybe two calls, depending on how long they are after this. But first, here's this day with Chris Conley. Making financial sense on AM 550, FM 99.9, WSAU, online at WSAU.com as well. He's Merle Kelch. Uh, Merle, what are we wrapping up the, the show with today, well, Besi- gonna... besides a, uh, a pretty bow and a gift tag? <laughs> well, I'm just going to kind of stick with the theme that we have with 401K, since we had that TikTok 401K. And it's probably because of my iPad listening to me talk. Of course. Uh, of course, more stuff pops up with the 401ks. And I just want to put this out there because a lot of people have this question as they're coming up in retirement. Um, uh, in here, it says, it's an article by Dan uh, Moisand. I'm going to guess this is his last name. It says, I want to access my 401k early. Is the loan the only way to do it? And the answer is um, yes, no. Just like everything else. Of course. So the yes is if you're continuing to work and you continue to keep working as the as a company, it's difficult to pull money out of your 401k unless you have some sort of a hardship withdrawal where they may let you, um, which you can do so. But, do, you know, it used to be that the hardship withdrawal is because you made up a reason that you had a hardship withdrawal. Well, you really didn't make it, made it up. But there had to be some sort of a bona fide reason to go through that you would do it. Otherwise, it became a taxable event, plus any penalties might apply if you're younger than 59 and a half. Um, so taking a loan out if you're going to continue to work tends to be one of the very uh, few ways in which you can take the money out um, or taking that, that money as, again, an in-service distribution, um, which you can also do. Um, but primarily before 59 and a half, if you're 
no longer working, you can start accessing the money through what's called a simplified employee pension plan. Um, or a 72T, you can start taking distributions on a monthly basis, but not in the lump sum. Um, otherwise, you have to do some sort of a um, distribution that's going to cause a taxable event for you. Um, and in addition to that, a penalty. So you can do it. Um, you can take the money out besides just a loan, but you have to chat with not only your financial professional, uh, but you have to take a look at the 401k plan itself. Many people don't realize this. Just because the rules of the IRS says you can take a loan out of your 401k, and you're like, great, I'm going to do that. It's going to be awesome. Except your employer's plan document may say, no, we don't allow loans. And so then you can't. So uh, in that, uh, again, you have to access both. Talk to your financial professional or tax professional. And then secondly, um, have an idea what the uh, plan document says, whether you can take that out in a loan, whether they access a loan or have a loan, um, or some of the other plans along the way. And uh, don't forget, there there's also going to be some fees on that too. Oh, yeah. They, they could Absolutely. charge you, yeah. uh, you know, X number of dollars or a percentage just for taking the loan out. Sure. Uh, period. And then you would also, if you're taking a loan, you would also then be paying interest on that. Mm-hmm. But the difference is that interest then would be going into your 401k. Yeah, pretty minimal. Yeah. Um, what a lot of people get surprised on is they borrow some money out of their 401k. They said, "What? I'm paying that back? Oh, yeah, it has to be paid back over five years." Otherwise, it becomes, again, that taxable event. And so a lot of people get surprised by that. So it's a it's a real inexpensive place to borrow money for a very short period of time that you want to pay back quickly. Um, but otherwise, other than that, it works like any other loan. You have to do it. Now, the part that most people don't realize if you do the loan from the 401k is that money is no longer invested in the marketplace mm-hmm. or however you had it invested. It just goes into a general fund. A lot of times, just a money market account fund um, is held there as security for the loan until you pay it back. Um, so it's not no longer the market. So you have a lot of opportunity lost in addition to pull the money out. And, of course, if uh, somebody would like further explanation on this, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, well, you can get a hold of us on Monday morning at 3rd Avenue and Bridge Street. Come on in, kick the tires, have a cup of coffee. You can give us a call locally, 715-849-3600. Outside of the Wasa area at 866-355-5100. Or you can always find us online at kelsonassociates.com. He's Merle Kelch. This has been Making Financial Sense here on AM 550 FM 99.9 WSAU. We'll be back again next week with a special edition featuring Alan Haugam. Very good. All right. And until between now and then, let's enjoy uh, news headlines from Fox News Radio. They're coming up next.